clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out.
Amen, amen. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I am I'm super excited. That was the featured song for this episode. I wanted to start off this show differently with some worship. I've been I've been trying to get back into listening to more contemporary worship music. Um, and shout out to Matt for putting me up on Maverick City Music. They have a lot of good good, good worship songs. Um, that particular song was Most Beautiful slash So In Love featuring Chandler Moore. Such a beautiful song. Um, I've been really just striving to be more aggressive in getting in the presence of the Lord um, and, and striving and asking the Lord to help me to sense and feel his presence more. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, 
we're in a very intellectual age um, now. And I love apologetics. I love studying the word. I love um, studying doctrine. But sometimes I think we can make the Bible so intellectual that we forget that the word is alive and that God is alive. And, and so I want the Bible to become to come alive to me. And so if I could see look in the scriptures and see men of God, women of God have encounters with the spirit of God, have encounters with God, man, I want that, too, man. Like life is crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of things happening um, in our lives. We, we we're, we're constantly having things thrown at us, different challenges, distractions, trials, temptations. There's constantly things coming to tear down our faith. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I'm realizing as I as I strive to be aggressive in pursuing the presence of God is that as real as all of my issues are, as real as all of my trials and circumstances are, as real as your problems are, God is is, is just as real. And, and so I've been working to marry the reality of my my circumstances marry the reality of my shortcomings with the reality of of God's awesomeness with the with the reality of God's power with the reality of God's strength and so i've really just been pressing to 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 get in the presence of the lord and that brings me to today's show which is titled the blessing and brokenness um it is it's so important for us to come before the Lord broken. A lot of times we can be conditioned by the world to view the term brokenness in a negative light, because oftentimes when we hear broken, um, we think weakness and we think um, defeated. And, and one of the things that I'm learning as it pertains to the Bible there, there's a difference between being defeated and broken. Like God doesn't want us defeated. <clears throat> God doesn't want us to throw in the towel. He doesn't want us to give up. <clears throat> but God does want us broken before him. And so I want to talk about that today um, because I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think one of the greatest needs today in the church is for us to humble ourselves before the Lord. Um, there is such a sense of self-glorification um, amongst many believers today. Everybody's looking at themselves and everyone is looking to build themselves up. And so I really believe there that there is a need, just like Apostle John writes in, John chapter three, verse 30, where he says he must increase. He must increase and I must decrease. And so I, I truly believe for us to, <clears throat> excuse me, see an authentic move of God and see the authentic presence of God and power of God evident in our lives. I believe it, it has to start with us decreasing, us denying ourselves and so brokenness 
is to have a sober view of your weaknesses. It is to have a sober view of your sin and have an understanding of our inability to please God apart from depending on God. For the scriptures say, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so I'm reminded of Psalms 51, where David is crying out to God. Because he has just had a man killed. Because he slept with this man's wife and impregnated her. It is the story of David and Bathsheba. And most of us know the story. David at nighttime is on his rooftop, walking on his rooftop, and he is looking over the city. And he sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof and he likes what he sees. And so he has his servants go get her and bring her back to his chamber and he sleeps with her and she conceives and once she finds out she's pregnant she lets him know and David has finds out that her husband Uriah is one of his soldiers and so David invites Uriah to his chambers kicks it with him and um, long story short he ends up getting Uriah drunk Uriah sleeps with some of the servants of David just has a good time and long story short he puts Uriah on the front line during war and tells his and tells them to pull back once they start fighting so Uriah could get killed he wanted to make sure that Uriah died and so he take he 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 commits adultery with another man's wife, then has that man killed like. This is like one of the most grimy stories, not just in the Bible, but period. But David is becomes aware of his sin. His sin begins to grieve him. He begins to recognize not just that he's made a mistake or he's done something horrible, but that he has sinned against God. And so in Psalms 51, he starts out by saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop 
and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing out loud of your righteousness. Verse 15, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Verse 16, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices, this is it, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. In other words, when we come before God truly broken, and that word contrite means to have a true heart of repentance. It means to truly be sorry. He says, when we come before the Lord with a broken and a sorrowful heart, he says, the Lord will not despise us. He will not push us away. He will not reject us. And so I, I, I just got an email from my sister, Jillian. She's a she's a diehard supporter of Path of Revelation podcast. Shout out to Jillian. She supports Path of Revelation and everything that we do. Um, but she recently sent me an email asking me about worship. And she says, good morning, Gabe. Can you do an episode breaking down what it means to worship in spirit? I understand the concept of worshiping in spirit and in truth, but I don't know how to consciously and practically apply it. Well, here it is. Worship has everything to do with the posture of our heart. And this scripture here is a good example of what true worship is. It is a worshiping in the spirit isn't a style. It isn't a genre. It isn't a certain dance. It isn't necessarily a certain language or sound. But it is the posture of our hearts before God. And so we see here, David is emptying himself. He's saying, God, listen, I messed up. I, I, I'm very aware of my, of my shortcomings and what I've done. But God, restore me, forgive me. And don't just forgive me, but use me for your glory. Let me be a witness. Let me lead transgressors to you. Let me be an example of your mercy and your love. God, forgive me. And so worship has everything to do with the posture of our hearts. And so we see in light of 
of David's screw up. He he understood that, hey, I got to get this right. With God, and the only way I'm going to get this right with God is for me to come to him broken. The Bible says this in, I believe, first Corinthians chapter 10. It says that let he that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. In other words, we can't think more highly of ourselves or think that we don't we can't fall to something. We can't think that we have it all together. Because the Bible says the moment that you think that you're straight or that you have it all together, that is the moment you'll fall on your face. And, and, the, and the dangerous part about pride is you'll think that you're straight or think that you're doing well when you're in pig slop. You'll think that you're doing well when you're walking contrary to the things of God. And so the Bible says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Let he that think if he stand, take heed lest he fall. And so we have to have a soberness about our humanity and our need for God's grace. Not just grace when times are tough, but grace and humility and submission when things are going well. Because it's not always the bad times that causes people to lose their mind. Sometimes it's the good things. People forget about God all the time when things are going well. And so brokenness is to have a sober view of our weakness and our need for God. And so the sacrifices of God are broken in a contrite heart. Listen to me when I say this. Our weaknesses and sin should produce grief and brokenness that pushes us to the feet of Jesus. And there is a difference like I said earlier, there's, there's truly a difference between being defeated and broken. See, defeat is often rooted in doubt and pride. It is us throwing in the towel instead of trusting in God who sacrificed his son for our sake. We don't have the the right we don't even have the right to condemn ourselves because he purchased us with his blood and so if our lives are truly not our own who are we to condemn ourselves who are we to hold ourselves back when we when he purchased us with his blood and so i was just thinking about the story hallelujah I was thinking about the story of Mary Magdalene and the woman at the well and man I just man I begin to think about how both of these women they were both caught 
in the same sin, both prostitutes and both exposed in their adultery. And though God used both of them to advance his kingdom, I look at how their initial responses were different. And so I want to start off by looking at the woman at the well, and then I want to look at Mary Magdalene. When we look at the, the woman at the well, we can look at John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. And this is Jesus. He, he's walking through Samaria. And it, and it reads, starting at verse 7, And a, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Verse 8, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, or in other words, me, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again hallelujah the water that i will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life verse 15 the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water she's not getting it see she's thinking naturally but god is talking spiritual Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband. See, now he's he's dealing with her issues. He's dealing with he's he, he's dealing with her sin here. He says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Verse 17, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So in other words, let me give context. Jesus is exposing that she slept with five men and that she's about to sleep with another man. So he's he's exposing her sin to bring her to a place of brokenness and genuine submission. See, God doesn't, ex let me, let me make this clear. 
God doesn't expose our sin to destroy us. He exposes our sin to bring us to a place of brokenness and submission before him. Because a lot of times we're we know about our sin. We know about our shortcomings. We know about our weaknesses, but we try to defend ourselves. We try to defend our flesh and save face. And so when we look at this story in verse 17, Jesus is like she she responds to Jesus says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her. You are right in saying I have no husband. You have five and the one that you're with is not your husband. And so this is what I want you to look at. Verse 19, after Jesus calls her out on her adultery and or, or in fornication and sleeping with multiple men, peep her response in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So do you guys peep what just happened? She goes super religious on Jesus instead of acknowledging her sin. And this is what a lot of us do with church. We cover, we try to cover up our sin with religious rituals, with playing church. We, we, we sing on the praise and worship team. We dance in church. We, we sing the worship songs. We, we sing in the choir. We serve on the usher board. And really, we're, we're doing these things as a cover up to not have to really deal with our sin, with our shortcomings, with our lack of submission to God. And so she goes super religious on Jesus instead of just repenting. And she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she calls herself actually trying to correct Jesus. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Will you worship the father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. And so in other words, he just basically tells her, you don't even know what worship true worship is. You know what you know, what tradition is, but you don't know what authentic worship is. And in verse 23, he says, but the hour is coming and now and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. And so God isn't looking for people who are dedicated to rituals or traditions. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for people who will worship him from a from a contrite heart, a, a, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, a submitted heart to the will of the father. And so now is the time. Verse 24, God is his spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so 
in, in so many words, Jesus, and I'm just speaking in layman's terms to put it in our modern time. He basically tells her, stop playing church. You playing church is not a relationship with God. You don't know God, you know, traditions. And so when we look what, what I love about this story is as Jesus began to cut her and she was like, I heard of this Christ who is coming and and he's like, and Jesus responded, says, I am he. And she literally drops her bucket and she runs into town and begins to spread news of Jesus and the whole village of Samaria comes to hear Jesus. <clears throat> and so her life was transformed through the cutting of Jesus of the word. And so I love, I love this story. When we look at uh, Mary Magdalene, same thing. She's caught in adultery. But what I love about Mary and, and Jesus, what, what we see in, in both of these stories is God isn't exposing to destroy, but he's exposing to break just to build back up. Isn't the, the Lord is so good. In John chapter eight, verse one through 11, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of olives early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them the scribes and the pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst they said to him teacher this woman has been caught in the act of adultery now in the law moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So the Pharisees and scribes are trying to put Jesus on the spot because they want to try to catch him up, um, catch, catch him speaking against the law and, and Moses. And so in verse six, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one beginning with the older ones and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? In other words, where are your accusers? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. And what I love about Mary's response is she became an evangelist. This is the Mary Magdalene who took the expensive alabaster box and broke it 
and washed Jesus' feet with her hair, washed Jesus' feet with her tears. This was the Mary Magdalene who was the first to discover that Jesus is risen and she began to br she brought word to the disciples. <clears throat> and so, man, it, I pray my prayer is that we we come to a place of brokenness before the Lord. Um, In this season in my life, and I'm just sharing from a personal standpoint, is it's like the Lord is is softening my heart so much and I say that with humility because I've realized different areas of my life where I've been self-righteous I, I realized different areas of my life where I thought I had it together and I didn't and 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 in this the Lord has been crushing me just to build me up and when the Lord crushes us, it's not to destroy us. It is it is to it is for us to die just for us to be resurrected through him. And and so the scriptures come to life when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Like we can truly taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I just want to encourage you guys today. Um, because I truly believe these last few shows have been prophetic. And not what most of our idea of prophetic is in a sense. Because many of us think prophetic is like, oh, you get a car, you get a car, you get a house, you get a promotion. No, like. We need to get back to focusing on the cross. We need to get back to the gospel. We need to get back to focusing on Jesus. Man, I'm I'm tired of the the these self-centered egotistical messages and these self-help messages that are coming across the pulpit and we're calling them gospel when it has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're just using him to stamp our uh, to try to stamp our agenda. And and but I really believe that these last few shows have been prophetic. And I say this because I really just sense in my spirit and just me observing the cultural climate. Man, it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for us to be a light to the world. It's to, the, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And it's not that there is a shortage of Christians, but there is a shortage of Christians on their job. There's a shortage of Christians t uh, taking their rightful place as as living epistles before men, as as sought in light of the world. And so we have to 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 deny ourselves. And 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 and, and a lot of it has to do with us being more conditioned and and I and I when I first started the, the path of revelation podcast I will always say this one of the biggest problems um with most believers in today is that we're more influenced by culture than we are the bible 
we're more influenced by pop culture and social media and the media than we are the scriptures. And so we it affects how we even approach the Bible and church. We view church and God um, through a worldly lens and, and it's not truly influenced by the spirit of God. And so I truly believe that we have to learn how to consecrate ourselves. Like, man, we got to get back to praying and fasting. We got to get back to seeking the face of God. I was um, just kicking it with Doug and Matt and Jay Will and Meech. And um, Doug just began to share with the, our group, um, our group chat, how shout out to Reed B versus how he's getting back to um, consecrating or fasting on a regular basis. And without getting into all of his business, we were just kind of talking about that because, you know, you know, we were we were all we're all trying to be on that tip. And and because it's a need, man, it's, it's really a need. And the world needs to see Christ in us. But the problem is we suppress the Christ in us when we go after things that are contrary to Christ. And so it's time for us to stand up and, and become aggressive in our pursuit of God. And, and I just truly believe that we will see the handiwork of God. You know, we the prayers of the righteous avail of much. And so it's time for us to begin to give ourselves to God in prayer. Give ourselves to God in time in the word. Give ourselves to God in fasting. And, and listen, I believe that we will begin to dream dreams and God will begin to give us dreams and visions, um, a word of knowledge, wisdom, um, the, the fruits of the spirit will be evident in our lives. The gifts of the spirit will be will flow in our lives. And he said he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh and our sons and daughters will prophesy. And I just believe the word today. So I just want to encourage you guys. I love you guys. Um, make sure you tune in to next week's show. I got some great things um, ahead for you guys that and I, I just hope that you guys were blessed by today's show. Listen, if you guys have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to write in to path of revelation now at gmail.com. Also, if you want to give to Path of Revelation, uh, like I've been announcing, I'm working on my my upcoming solo project. I want to get some visuals and things done. Um, you can give um, so to the ministry. Uh, my cash app is G Park uh, Gabriel Par uh, T Parker. Gabriel T Parker is the cash app. Um, also the PayPal is path of revelation now at gmail.com. Listen, I appreciate you guys for rocking with the path of revelation show. Make sure you share this podcast with somebody. If it's been a blessing to you, listen, thank you for tuning in. This has been the path of revelation podcast. This is where the culture meets scripture.